What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Flyover Sports Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Tenpenny, joined by my co-host, Drew Clifton. Drew, what's up, my man? Not too much. All-stars. You know, big week for baseball. Hey, it was a big week for baseball, and it, it didn't really go off that bad unless you're a Royals fan, which... Unfortunately, we all are because we're going to let's start with the home run derby where uh, it was exciting, but ESPN just kind of crapped on Salvador Perez. That was that was tough to watch. I saw that. So what does that mean to you? Like they crapped on him or they just didn't really pay attention to him? Okay, let's prior. So prior to Pete Alonso's 35 home runs in the first round. Sure. The most home runs ever in a first round was 28. Right, so Salvi bro- broke it, and then Alonso. Salvi tied the record. Salvi tied the record. Yeah, okay. Previous record. So oh, he hit the second most home runs in a home run round ever. And they on ESPN talked for him about thirty seconds because they were too busy interviewing Pete Alonso over it. Right. So he and put on the second was, best what, show ever, and they didn't talk about him at all. That's and easily the most home runs by a catcher. Oh, easily. Not even close. Easily. Not even close. Yeah. He's, the, he's technically the ninth catcher ever, but Piazza and Ivan Rodriguez, Pudge Rodriguez, have each done it twice. So it's the 11th round ever by a catcher, and he crushed it. Like, I think I think Piazza hit like 12 one year, and that was the previous record. Like, sure. Now, the format was different then. It's a lot easier to hit home runs now, but like, still, he absolutely dominated, not just by catcher standards, by everyone's standards. And, ESPN did not give him a second because Pete Alonso, who deservedly deserved some some attention for that first round. I'm not saying that he didn't, but like you don't need to everybody else in the first round got their, you know, seven minutes in the sun, got their seven sure. minutes of talking about them and and you know, so telling what they mean to their team and whatnot, except for Perez, who had the second best performance of the night. Yeah. And you know who you even got more attention than Salvador Perez's was Alonzo's coach pitcher. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah he's doing media rounds this week. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh, hey, he was he was firing him in there. He, he yeah, he's spectacular, job. but still. But you you want to know what makes it even worse about um, about Salvi is that uh, Kansas City was the biggest market for the home run derby. Yeah, right. Like they were the most viewed. They like they viewed the home run derby the most, right? Yeah, yeah. Like in the market for in the that's in crazy. The like who and Kansas City is always up there. It doesn't matter if they're royal. I mean, a royal, the, Salvi being in it obviously made them jump from probably like fifth to one. Right. But like they're always in that, and the fact that they were the number one market to watch it, and ESPN did that to them. That's that's why ESPN's going down the drain. It has been for the last decade or so. Like, yeah, they've been uh, they've been all over the news this week. So yeah, that's that's definitely true. But uh, what are you gonna do? That's kind of crazy. Like, that's not great for baseball. Like Kansas City's your number one market for the home run derby. Well, and okay. uh, home run not- derby. Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? You know, why is it so confusing? It's a home run derby. I don't get why they make the rules weird. What do you mean? Like the the extended seconds for the stat cast and that kind of stuff. Like the, you get like 30, it's like you get three minutes, but then you get 30 seconds extra just like off the top and everything. It's just weird. I don't know. 
let's let's talk about the main star of this whole weekend and and i want to get your thoughts on on how this went overall um shohei hotani taking taking the mlb by storm as he should it's great for the game that mlb needs him to be do what he's been doing um what were your thoughts on his all-star weekend it was kind of backwards to what we said right like he Got uh, he got his bat on the ball a couple times, but he was showed out as a pitcher more. Right, he was the winning pitcher. Yeah, he had a strong he had a strong first inning as a starter. Uh, got up to a hundred, showed off that dirty splitter he has, which might be the most unhittable pitch in all of baseball. Uh, I thought his weekend was okay. Like, yeah, I would have liked it a lot. Um, I think the saving grace was he at least got into like a swing off and, and the round was extended in the home run derby with Juan yeah. Soto. Cause there for a second, it looked like he's going to hit 12 home runs and just like go out. Yeah, he, was, a bang. he was nailing the doubles. Yeah. But then with the late surge and, you know, the round went a little longer, even though he was a first round exit, I still thought it was enough to be like, okay, Otani did, did decent in the, in the derby enough to where you weren't like super disappointed unless you were betting on him to win. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, he didn't do anything crazy at the play. I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to be good at the play in the All Star game. You're you're playing against the best pitchers in the world, and you only get an at bat or two. Like, oh, I lost you. Oh, you got what? Oh, you're back. Okay. Okay. Uh, before we start, do you see uh, the little um, like it shows when? It's just also so hard you know, to, to do damage at the plate in an all-star game. Cause you're going against, you know, some of the best pitchers and you only get in that batter too. Um, like Otani's first at bat, he, he actually ripped one, but was robbed by Adam Frazier in the hole um, for an out. So it's like, it's hard to be, to expect production from the, at the plate uh, every time in an all-star game. But I, overall, I thought his, I thought his weekend was, was good enough. I would have loved it to be better, yes. but it was good enough. His magnetism was definitely showed off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just like how electric he is as just a human being uh, was definitely there. And I, I, I obviously everybody's going to talk about the Stephen A. comments and stuff. It's almost it's it's cool how much he can shine through a language barrier. And just like I didn't, I personally didn't know he he didn't speak English because he really like jives and and hangs out with the other guys right like the other dudes love him and i think that's like pretty pretty amazing yeah those Stephen a comments are ridiculous because i agree completely yeah. like i mean he, he clearly speaks you know when you're in this game he's only been in this game for a couple of years but he knows enough yeah. to communicate obviously not to interview but like um he's just a big but it's kid. pretty cool like it's kind of non-verbal yeah like he's able to communicate with like because it's he can communicate through the game of baseball and uh that's pretty that's I, not unique to baseball i would say but uh in this situation it is and that I, I just like now that i think about and i've seen all of his interactions when he's like on the field like i remember when he got hit in the face with a tag and he just like the, his response to it and his response to like getting uh checked for the sticky substances and stuff like that mm-hmm. that, that makes may, makes it cooler that he actually doesn't speak very good english and that's all kind of through body language and just his personality is what he's able to communicate that kind of charisma yeah yeah he's just a big kid and it's awesome you can tell he just loves it out there he just wants to play yeah, baseball. has to i saw freddie freeman's comments about him 
about Otani, about how amazed he is by him and like how much work he actually has to do to be a pitcher and be a hitter mm-hmm. and just like the planning that goes into it. Like that he's like, he has 12 hour days every day to worry about like, you know, getting people out and then going in DH the next night, getting like, I, he talked about like the lactic acid that he has to get out of his body after pitching. And I thought that was very interesting. Like, uh, the comments and the respect given to Otani was cooler than anything. And yeah, cause he's doing something that they can't and they're majorly, they're the best players in the world. Right. And they're like, I could never do this. And for, for, to get to that level, to get to that place where these like M- MVP candidates are like, I, I, he is better than he, in this situation. He is better than me and I can never touch him. Right. Right. So yeah, to throw a hundred and to hit 450 foot bombs is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about it almost every week and as we should, just because it is, it's, it's a live, like, we keep saying it's a living Babe Ruth. Um, the way he's pitching is it's a different level. He may not be the quite the level of hitter. Babers wasn't like, you know, 1930, 1925. Right. But yeah. like his pitching is just a- another level. Like even though the stats, the ERA and stuff isn't like ridiculous, ridiculous to throw a hundred and to have to throw the arguably the most unhittable pitch, which is what people call his splitter. I mean, that's just if, if, even if for whatever reason he started to wear down and couldn't be a starter anymore, I could legit see Otani being an elite level closer if he wanted to. That would be kind of cool. That would be wild. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what would his walkout song be? That would be great. Or his nickname. <laughs> his walkout song is just him jogging out from left field completely, completely uh Or like jogging. Dry. He wouldn't, would even be in the outfield. He would be like oh, walking d- out from the dugout. <laughs> Or maybe like it. second base, <laughs> or now first base, or whatever he would be playing yeah, in, the, yeah. in the field. He's played. Le- he typically plays left or right um, when he's if yeah. he's in the field, but he, that's not very often. He you know DH in sure. the but yeah, that would be freaking hilarious because uh, yeah, he's got clearly the stuff to where I if it was the ninth inning and I just had an inning of Otani and Otani didn't have to hold anything back. Oh, that'd be terrifying. Right. Oh, oh my gosh, terrifying. that would be. <laughs> What if he broke the uh, he? What if he went on that Eric Gagne save record sp- span or something like right. that? Right, Eric Gagne won a Cy Young because of that stuff. Like, right, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that would be crazy. Oh man, yeah, this guy's just ridiculous, and I'm glad he had a decent weekend. Again, it could have been a little better, but anyone who was watching who hadn't seen a lot of him, like you said, could really see how he's just a big kid out there who's enjoying the game, and how you know people just kind of vibe with him, and and there's just right. there's just a specialness that he he exuberates i don't know is the are the royals the worst team to ever have two all-stars no because the orioles had <laughs> oh wait no mancini wasn't technically an all-star was he yeah. um he was just in the home run derby um yeah i mean it's they're like, not the worst team definitely the worst team this year yeah yeah definitely the worst team this year although the pirates had two the pirates had two starters Okay, well, there you go. Uh, That's definitely it. I think they actually technically have a better record than the Royals do now, though. I think the Royals have the third worst record <laughs> in baseball with only the Orioles and, and Diamondbacks. So They just don't pop, man. The Royals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, you know, Whit Merrifield and Salvi combined for 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Um, yeah, one of the greatest, greatest weekend for Royals fans. Um, and it hasn't been the greatest year. April still is undefeated as far as uh, enjoyment. 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it came right out of the bat and gave us the best moments of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can we can skip on the Royals stuff, but it's just because I mean they had their draft um, and oh, brutal, and they drafted and um, a controversial pick. He was ranked by most people in the 30s, and they drafted him right. at seven. Um, and I guess my biggest thing on that is because it's so hard, I and mean, you can't. You can't treat the uh, MLB draft like any other draft because uh, it's just so. I can't believe they didn't go Kumar Rocker. Well, Kumar Rocker probably wouldn't have signed for it with them. Oh, and, I always forget that that's a thing in baseball. That's brutal. And the Royals had ten million dollars to spend on twenty rounds of drafts, and Kumar Rocker right. went for was uh, signing slot. His slot was like six million. Oh, well, there you go. So that's why they didn't go with Rocker. And, you know, there's a lot of – there's a that enough is a reasoning to me. And also there's a lot of people worried that, you know, Kumar's kind of already hit his ceiling or close to it. His workload in college was brutal. Like how much better right. can he actually get? Um, I mean, he fell for a reason, right? Right. He was projected to be the number one. Right, right. So – um so there's you like that they went and got a left-handed pitcher, right? He's a lefty. Yeah, that doesn't matter to me as much as it does for other people. Um, okay. But my biggest issue is not with the with not with the kids themselves and not with the over the reach or anything. It's just the complete change in philosophy. 2018, 19, and 20, the Royals drafted college pitchers. Brady Singer, college pitcher, Ace Lacy, college pitcher, Daniel Lynch, Kowar, the list goes on and on. Bubich. Like they they spent all this time and effort scouting and drafting college pitchers because that was their strategy. Now right. all of a sudden, their they their first two picks were high school guys. Right, and and, and high it's the school, same organization. It's the same front office. Yeah, and it's so. like it's like what happened, Dayton? Like why Dayton Moore? Why did you change all of a sudden? Because let's be honest. Like yes, the returns haven't been quite there yet. You know, Lynch and Bubich and Kowar have struggled. But again, they were drafted in 2018, and they had to go through a COVID season. So I'm not like rushed on them, you know that them struggling a little bit two years after they were drafted, having to go through a shortened like that's I'm not worried about them yet. Giving me another year or two before I actually worry about that draft class. So yeah. like, why are the Royals then seemingly panicking about it? Because that's what I that's how I understood. Like they're panicking. Like, oh crap, right. these guys suck. We need to change our philosophy. And it's like, dude, that they. There are kind of feel, kind of feels like the hot, the seat is hot. Yeah, right for Dave Moore, and he's taking shots. Yeah, exactly. Like that. that right. That's the only way I see it because again, these kids could be awesome. Like I'm not saying that these yes. kids couldn't work out. I'm just the issue is the drastic change. That's yeah. that's the big thing because it, again, if they're panicking already, that's not a good feeling as a Royals fan. Um, because I kind of like what I've seen from these guys. Like, you know, there's there's going to – when you have that many young pitchers all come up and you are have a terrible history at developing pitchers, it's going to be bumpy. But, like, the fact that the front office is already freaking out, maybe I need to rethink my optimism on some of these other guys that the front office is already trying to find another strategy for, for pitching. And if, you, and if your seat is hot, it's kind of an interesting switch – because these guys are going I I would think are going to take longer to develop. Correct. So you might not even be here when these guys get to the majors. Right. Cuz college pitchers, you know, especially early ones, you're hoping it's like 2 to 4 years, you know, yes. depending. And then high school pitchers, it's like 
hopefully four to six years, you know, like yeah. depending because it's, it's when you're drafted at 18, it's very hard and, you know, you're still growing in your body. Like between 22 and 24 years old is kind of when you hope you're like first couple, you know, first round high school pitchers ready, but you're not, you know, very rarely do you get the 20, 21 year old phenoms, you know? So sure. I just, I don't know. Like, yeah. It's just it's just very backwards. I don't mind position players like position high school position players are a different story. Like they're they're not quite as risky. High school is always typically more risky just because you don't know how they're going to grow and whatnot. So I, I kind of like them taking the the local uh, kid. Um, I can't remember if he was is he from Blue Springs or whatnot, but they they took a local kid who was a catcher who mashes. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. I didn't mind that pick a because he's a local kid, and b because he's a, a lefty. Um, I like having sure. that's where I, I almost like having lefty hitters more than lefty pitchers. If I'm being completely honest, um, but uh, yeah, it's just they they just were completely completely abandoned ship. It seems like, and I'm a little worried about what Dayton Dayton's got planned for the future if he's going to even be here. Right. So. It's just an interesting move for someone that uh, might not be here. Yeah, definitely. And they need to just go ahead and trade everybody. For sure. So And just, you know, kill Solaire. You know, not not literally, but get rid of him. Yeah, he'll be designated for assignment by August, so he won't be. Thank goodness. If he's not, that's ridiculous. Like, Fall from grace. Oh, my gosh. It's so sad. Because there's no what there, I, there's nobody better to watch BP of than Hor Hayseler, even still, just because of how strong and powerful he is. He but, should be a home run derby only. I know. I, I seriously, I think he could do very similar to what Pete did, but like you can't have a, a one eighty guy with seven home runs or whatever he has in the home run derby, regardless of how right, well then, he did. Then, then it would be valid to not pay attention to the Royals guys. Yeah, then it would be very valid, but. Enough about the lowly Royals and how sad they make us, even on their break. Uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be maybe the best, the second best week of the year for the Royals, and it ended up being very sad again. Let's go to a happier organization, but maybe not with the happiest news. The Kansas City Chiefs still dealing with the Frank Clark stuff. Um, potentially could get three years in prison. I don't. It doesn't seem to be that no, serious. That's but crazy. That's what the, but no. that's what like. That's what every article is going to lead with because that's like the max penalty right. that he could face, right? Which he's right, not going right. to face. He's a millionaire with lawyers. Well, that's what I just did. And I, he's a I, led, I led with it. I'm just copying yeah. what the articles are going to say. Yeah. I, I know. I just can't stand seeing that every time I see it. And it's just like everybody in the comments is all saying the same thing. So if everybody knows, why don't we just skip, skip, not put it in the headline? It, yeah. And uh, yeah, that. like, oh, yeah, Frank Clark for – uh, non like non-violent quotation marks like offense is gonna get three years in prison um, yeah not happening for, not for happening. this which would be like i don't know maybe better than him like just getting suspended and having to wait on him um because who like he hasn't lived up to his contract so i if i was the chiefs i'd be looking on a way out if it was possible yeah um and and I would definitely be looking at Melvin Ingram or maybe Justin Houston, but Melvin Ingram for sure. And that's what that's what's coming out of uh, all the media members now is that we could be taking a look at Melvin Ingram, which I would like more than uh, for, uh, more than Clark in the first place. Um, but it's not. I just don't. We kind of have a history at this point sometimes with these with these types of players. Um, 
where we take chances on the character guys and it doesn't really work out. They don't really get better here. I don't know. Travis Kelsey was a, technically a character guy. Um, yeah, he's a weed guy. So same <laughs> with uh, the like, yeah, smoking weed is a little bit different than the the domestic assaults. And obviously, Tyree Kill is going to be the exception to this. Um, but you know, Peters. Peters and, was fine. Like yeah, the, the city just didn't like him for whatever reason. I still like Marcus Peters. <laughs> He's an Oakland guy. That's what that's always bugging me about him. He wanted to be on the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. He never got there, but Marshawn Lynch is what like yeah, cousin. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I feel yeah. like she's the, the only the real reason they have that rep is because a non character issue guy Kareem Hunt did right. what he did. No, he was a character issue. Really? Guy. That's why he fell in the draft. Yes, I yeah. thought he fell because he went to yeah. a no name college. No, but he went to a no. I'm pretty. It's like kind of like Tyreek. Like I think that's why he was at a no name uh, college. I don't. He definitely. Well, I mean, had Toledo's bigger than Alabama State or whatever. Tyreek went. To yeah, like sure, to, but also Tyreek Hill went to what Oklahoma State yeah. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then got kicked off. Well, the yeah, team. and well, like then so. the Tyreek thing, like again, that's blown out of proportion too because he has custody of his of his son and like the one hundred percent. It's always going to come down to the the pregnant pregnant mom incident right right when he was 18 nobody will ever 18 yeah that was bad that's it it was bad it was awful anyways like like, you know there's been reports now about how his lawyers you know he had to plead guilty because he didn't have like proper lawyers and or you know use an 18 year old kid being told this was going to happen like no one really knows that full story i don't need to know the full story to know that like he screwed up at 18 years old regardless of what he actually did you know sure and that will ride with him for the rest of his career. It's why he had to take like a 25% hit on his yeah. contract, even though his contract is like pretty healthy for right. him. Right. Um, and he's also like should be one of the biggest, he should be up there with Kelsey and Mahomes uh, in terms of superstar, but it's just not going to happen because yeah. the broad public just hates you, which at, at some level you're going to deserve, especially when it's violence against yeah. women. Um, and especially when it's in the NFL, which is that a history with yep. that. Um, so you're just not ever going to change that reputation, no matter how much like charity work or all anything you do. And really, like obviously, that's what the Chiefs push in the offseason. He's always doing stuff like camps and everything. Yeah. Well, he's engaged again, and he. Did you see that? Yeah, to the no, girl. No, different girl. He oh, got okay. out of that's that. Good. He got. That's I think good. they have like. I think <laughs> yeah, they each have like restraining orders a... against one another, which always makes me laugh. It's like. If neither one of you want to well, be crazy like, thing, why yeah. do you both have The craziest thing is that they're always defending each other when these incidents come up, yeah. right? That's why it's always so murky because they both aren't going to press charges on each other. And because uh, it's just that kind of uh, fiery relationship. I'm sure we've all, I don't know if you've, I know I met two people while we were working at Applebee's that were in those kinds of relationships <laughs> where they were both uh, kind of like explosive and uh, to each other, like mutually. Yeah, but that's dude. That's Applebee's. Applebee's is just an explosive. Yeah, for sure. Um, but <laughs> let's. We're getting off topic a little bit. Let's get back to Frank Clark. Um, nobody knows how long he's going to be suspended. All everyone pretty much feels is like there has to be suspension coming at least for a little bit. Um, it's hard to have be in this news and and get off completely scot free from the NFL, regardless of what they find. Yeah. And the Chiefs. 
the Chiefs schedule to open up the season is so brutal, you know, with the Browns and yeah. the Chargers and I think the Bills week five and, and there's you know, someone else I'm missing, but like I think the Ravens are week three again. Like that top front of the schedule is so hard that you would almost expect them, like the rumors are saying, to bring in another pass rusher to alleviate what Frank Clark could potentially miss. Do you hope it's – I know you kind of already touched it. you hope it's Melvin Ingram? Because I wouldn't be opposed yeah. to a, a Justin Houston reunion. Sure. I mean, I don't want to like really endanger like signing, I don't know, like the Honey Badger or someone in the future if we have to take Melvin Ingram now and that like hurts our future plans if it was easier to just get Justin right. Houston. But uh, the better player is Melvin Ingram. So, uh, and that's a really soft position for the Chiefs, even with Frank Clark, with like, Chris Jones moving to defensive end. We'll see how that goes, but that's still like up in the air. We don't know exactly if that's just going to work perfectly. Um, we hope it does, and it probably will work better than what's going on now. But uh, I, I I would like Melvin Ingram. He performed like, and Justin Houston just hasn't been on the radar in a while. Well, I mean, you say that, but I I, I personally I think Melvin Ingram would be cheaper. So maybe we should then Justin. Melvin Ingram's gonna be cheaper than Justin. They're both Houston. the same age. They're both thirty. They're that's both crazy. We talked about this before, and that still blows my mind. They're that both that's thirty-two, the case. and then so right. in the last so last year, Melvin Ingram was hurt, but he did play seven games. He had zero sacks, and so Justin yeah. Houston had eight and sixteen, and then the previous year he had eleven and sixteen. So he's. I know we've all his his Shoot. health has been Let's an issue in, in in KC a little bit, but. He's played in every single game the last two years and has 17 combined sacks, or excuse me, 19 if I could do math correct. 19 combined sacks. Um, I I kind of would like seeing you. We'd have to have Willie Gay change his number. There's no again, argument but. then. Like I would just have to concede that like I am wrong completely. Like I had thought that Melvin Ingram was a better player, um, and Justin Houston just what he was on the Falcons, no, Colts, Colts. He was on the Colts. Okay, so. I don't know. He just uh, he has gotten no national recognition no, since leaving the Chiefs, and uh, the fact that he had eleven sacks in, tw- in twenty nineteen, uh, yeah, and then twenty twenty he had eight. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a productive player, and that's all you need. Like all I want is a, is I don't yeah. even need eight sacks. I just need a guy that's a threat. You know, a guy that defenses have to pay attention to. Um, instead of you know, because regardless of if Frank Clark's gone, like there's no. Defenses are not going to care who's on the other side. It's going to you're going to worry about Reed and Naughty in the middle, and then Chris Jones will probably go to full time defensive end instead of part time if if they don't right. sign someone just because of the need there. And what you have like Taco on the other side, uh, probably. Yeah, if yeah. you don't pick up yeah. anybody, um, and you know he showed some fight. He's a, he was a former um, former first round, right? He's a first round guy with the Dolphins. Um, but like, I guess. What's crucial for the Chiefs defense is not just like stops, right? It is those highlight plays, like like stopping drives in their in their tracks with sacks, turnovers, uh, something like that. Anything that can turn the game because it's really about bend not break. But if you can just get those like a couple crucial playmaker plays, that's what's important for the Chiefs to like let their offense flourish more than it is like we need to have a stalwart defense that's consistent. But we do we need playmakers on the defensive side. So who's ever gonna 
like be able to get to the quarterback the most is who we should be picking up. And I, I don't even if Frank Clark doesn't get suspended, it'd be nice to like, you know, bulk up that, that position. Yeah, definitely. Because like when you look at the team, even as it is now, you feel good about the D tackles, like Nadi and, and, and John sure. Reed and Chris Jones technically. And then, you know, Deshaun Wharton tore it up last year. There's still hope for, for Kalen Saunders. Like the defensive tackle group is, is strong, but then you look at the defensive end group and it's, it's Frank Clark, Taco Charlton and Mike Dana and a bunch of no name guys, you know, Damone Harris, sure. I think, uh, it's one of the worst defensive end position groups right. in the league. Without Frank Clark, it's easily right. The worst. Taco Charlton, who former, you know, two yeah. couple of Michigan guys, <laughs> couple of Michigan sure. guys. And uh, uh, I, I, I like Mike Dana because they got him in the fifth round. And I think that you know, if anytime you get a guy that can be a depth guy in the fifth round, I'll take that. But he's not a guy that needs to be on the field as much as he will be if Frank Clark is suspended. So yeah, and it'll just be a glaring weakness yeah. on the Chiefs with. With the corner uh, already something that can be attacked in something with and what? with corner already being you know arguably your second right. you can't have two groups two defensive groups be the first top two positions that you're the weakest at and that's where the Chiefs are are at right now. And as good as defensive tackle can be, it's like one of the least valuable uh, positions on the defensive end, right? Like the in terms of pay, right? Right. Well, and it's just so hard to like always measure like. Like Nadi and Reed yeah. don't have to put up stats to be valuable, but like it's so hard to actually measure from from a casual fan just watching every day without you know di- really diving into numbers how good they're actually playing. Like Derek Nadi's been good for years, sure. but he's he's hardly ever talked about because he doesn't rack up sacks. Right as a defense, as a defense attack, attack, which is brutal because it's like it's like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald are the two that like really get to the quarterback, and they're like right. Two of the best players in the right, NFL. Right, right. And they're like, and that, what is, is that the trio is, is Fletcher Cox into that group? Those are like the only three D tackles really consistently worth anything in a year, every year. Right. So, so yeah, Nadi's got one career set. Corner, corner and defensive end are what? Like the two highest paid positions on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Um, so that's <laughs> a real, like, <laughs> that's, that's a uh, if you just look. Yeah, if you look at uh, our defense, not looking too yeah, sharp. Yeah, it's definitely definitely worrisome. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you that even – I don't know if they have the money for it because, again, you want the Honey Badger to be here long term. You want to be able to be flexible. Yes. You have so much cap space tied up into the offense. But, like, something needs to be done for this defensive end group, regardless if Frank Clark plays or not. That's what I'm saying. If you can get out of that contract – for whatever reason, I'm okay with screwing over Clark, man. Uh, I'm like, if you can find a way out of that contract and uh, be able to give that money to somebody else and pay the honey badger, because that's so yeah, important, yeah. man. I mean, you got to find a way to give him his money. He wants to be here. Everybody wants him here. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's more important. Like, our defense, the reason we won the Super Bowl is because of his, like, leadership you know, on the defensive side. His leadership, that was the difference, I feel like. Right, right. And it's like, yeah, he's another, He's one of those guys that where his play on the field is evident, but his value is so much more than that. Like, it's just... Right. And it's something that, again, I still think sports has had a hard time um, being able to, like, quantify that value and across all sports, how 
valuable leadership and right as like an right right because it's like I, I don't know if it ever will be because it's just impossible. but like he's got it, it whatever you're trying whatever you're trying right. it's like clutch and yeah. leadership it's impossible to quantify but, but it's, it's there definitely yeah, real. It's, it's, he's definitely got it he's definitely there and he needs to uh he's still only you know 29 he just turned 29 uh, a couple months ago um so he's still and it's a kansas city yeah. thing right it's an alex gordon it's a it's a it's it's these bastions or these pillars of our community essentially or these teams right. like we keep like even if it's not the best like for the actual numbers of the team it's a Kansas City thing to keep these guys on and I like that consistency and I like that mold that we've right, made right Kansas City is very ingrained into and fairly loyal I mean Jeremy Macklin uh is an obvious exception there, but that caused uh, real turmoil in the front office and, and got us uh, Veach and everybody. But loyalty is important to the whole Kansas City uh, shit. Right, right. And they love their sports. Like we talked about earlier with the home. Yeah, they love their cheese. Yeah, well, loyal. not even that. Like they just they just love sports. If there's a sporting event on, Kansas City's going to be a top 10 and right. viewing market regardless if there's a Chiefs or Royal yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, the other news in Chiefs land right now is uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were out golfing with, with JT, Justin Timberlake. And, uh, They're having some fun. It, it looked like an absolute blast. Um, those guys always have fun. Um, you know what's crazy is like Justin Timberlake is actually the biggest national or, not, you know, international star out of those three as of right now. Um, sure. Sure. But no one actually cared about JT because they were just watching Mahomes in the U.S. watching about yeah. what Mahomes and and uh, Kelsey were doing. But there was a heckler, you know, a, a Los Angeles Chargers fan yelling at Mahomes, talking about Justin Herbert, and uh, Mahomes fired back at him and told him he'd he'd believe it when he see it or see it when he believes no, it. He, he, he said it wrong. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that's just blown up. <laughs> like that's the it's peak. Yeah. You know, waiting for training camp to start when getting back at a heckler after you've had a few on the golf course is national news. Yeah, well, he called him a yeah, bum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, he called him a bum. I mean, and I'm sure you saw uh, Pat McAfee talk about it, and that's that's what it was. I mean, it's not really a shot at Herbert, um, but uh yeah so that's all i saw it as the fact that it went national makes sense he's like one of the most recognizable sporting figures in in the country and he took a shot at a at a, a rising star in the league and in, in his division that uh had gave him some hell last year Did so you? um yeah for sure the first game okay yeah he he did well in the first game but that's one game you're talking to me you're telling me that we're one game is worth that actually being worried uh, about him no no you shouldn't be i mean mahone should not be worried about anybody which is why he responded in the way that he right. did but like he's definite i love herbert right. i don't right. know no, about I you like I, like yeah yeah justin herbert's a star in the making and he's a really interesting quarterback and i just like the way he plays and everything so i appreciate the way that mahomes did but there's definitely some like okay he's coming He's gonna be here for as long, like nearly as long as I am. So uh, yeah. there's definitely gonna be that competition. I loved I loved his response. He he messed up. It still kind of makes sense. Um, what he what he said, even if you don't if you don't reverse right. it. But uh, 
I think that it was uh, it was a good moment. Yeah, I mean, I I love it because we all know that that Mahomes has that cockiness and that little bit of that little bit of fire sure. to him, and you have to be. We just normally don't necessarily see in that setting. It's normally always on the football field, you know, um, where he'll do the. Who calls Patrick Mahomes a bum? Yeah, exactly. The Chargers you fans, know? dude. <laughs> Chargers fans, right? Uh, yeah, and Raider fans. Um, so, like, I don't know. It, it was just what was crazy to me about it was actually the Chargers' response to it. Did you see that on Twitter? No, I didn't. The what Chargers, the the Twitter account of the Los Angeles Chargers, tweeted out, um, like. Do you see it now? And it was highlights of Justin Herbert. It was a minute and a half highlights of Justin Herbert against the Kansas City Chiefs this year. The first two plays are week two. In losses. Well, the first two plays are week two. And then the next minute are highlights from week 17 against the Chiefs backup. Oh, right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That was the Chargers. I completely forgot. That was the Chargers. For whatever reason, I thought that (laughs) – yeah, I forgot that that was the last game of the year, and it just like completely didn't matter. What a right. victory! They're saying, "Are you seeing it now, Mr. Krabs?" And the first two highlights again oh are, are good highlights. You know, his first career start, the, the, where he ran into the end zone and threw a touchdown. Like they're not bad highlights. The show. And didn't know that he was going to right, right. They're right? not bad highlights. Somebody got a pop. But long. the next minute of it is it gets backups with Colin Saunders playing middle linebacker. <laughs> yeah. So not great. Uh, oh my gosh! It's you know that's what that's that's what you have to do if you're the Chargers. You have no fans uh, besides the guy calling uh, the guy Mahomes a bum. Their one fan showed up. Let's do that joke real quick. Um, soccer stadium folks, but uh, I don't know. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just the the best part is the Chargers part about it. The the Twitter account thinking that was a a uh, respectable response. Right. <laughs> now, if they showed a if they showed a season highlights, like you know he had some good games, like the four touchdown For games sure. against the New Orleans that shootout with Tom Brady and Tampa. Like there were games they they could have shown film from, but the fact that they limited it to two. Highlights from week two and highlights against scrubs backups is pretty, pretty. Yeah, that's what they should have done. They should have done a back-to-back video of Patrick Mahomes getting his ass thrown on the ground in the Super Bowl. And then Justin Herbert just tossing. Yeah, that would have been respectful. uh, I mean, Buccaneers defense. The response. And then the Chiefs would have been like, hey, hey, do you guys remember when they scored like 21 points in the first quarter against the Chiefs? Against the Buccaneers, right? We, we right, right. That was that would have been the, but that would have been a more respectable response and a respectable video and a more fun. Like the yeah. Chiefs, the Chiefs organization right. could have come out with that video. But yeah, you're right. They missed uh, an opportunity there, especially going against a obviously <laughs> weak weak um, backup team of the Chiefs, which was kind of the weakness of the entire right. team uh, was the That's depth defense, of the team. Yeah. The best part, like. The, the video would have just been more respectful had they only just used those first two plays. Like, had it literally just been a 30-second yeah, video. it was like 30 yeah, seconds just long. the first two plays. <laughs> like, that would have been so much more respectful. The report of, uh, of gosh, who's Tyron, the quarterback Tyron. that got his lung pop? Tyron Taylor getting his lung yeah. pop. I mean, that's the most impressive thing he did all right, season. Right, right. It was like, I'm not playing for at least the first three weeks of the season. I am the backup. But I'm going to come in here and just, like, show up against the Chiefs and push them. Um, still like what, what that's what bought me 
in on Justin yeah. Herbert. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I'm and, and the thing after hating the Chargers quarterback for so many years, I'm excited to actually you know like and or respect the guy. But uh, yeah, yeah, Chargers Chargers Twitter account you still you need to be better. Than that. And Herbert's not coming back because that dude's void of personality. <laughs> but uh, he, so that that's not that's bad. One thing he's just not very. Uh, he he's terrible. In media. The Pat McAfee like, interview wasn't that bad from earlier in the year. No, that, but that's such a low bar though, because like McAfee's going to pull yeah. you, pull you as much as he can with that's his personality. It was more like his others, his that whole media tour he did. I listened to a handful of those interviews. Just like you got to really, you got to pull him out. He's young. Yeah. There's no doubt, but that was kind of his thing, right? He's he's kind of an introverted quarterback. That's was that was what they were talking about in his draft like <laughs> stock situation. Like the third best quarterback. It was yeah, personality. Exactly. It's like, um, I don't know. It definitely seems to have jumped it worked out, man. It usually doesn't, yeah. right? That's actually usually an, uh kind of a hit for for some guys, or yeah. uh, we, we don't really like like let's look at Kirk Cousins, right? Like he just can't get a hold of that locker room because he doesn't have the personality right. for it. But Herbert just is such a baller. Right that uh, it shows out regardless. And I think those charges love yeah. him. And, you know, he's already – he's keeping this trend alive of all the national media being like, the Chargers could win the AFC West, which happens every year and every, every year. single year. Which I'd be okay with, right? If the Chiefs don't win, like if something happens, it's like the Chargers are the least – you know, we both don't hate the Chargers. We've talked about this before. The LT days, those amazing uniforms. Yeah, you respect know? the no Broncos. The reason that I've always yeah. hated the Chargers is because more because of Philip Rivers, not because of the actual team. Like I love Joey Bosa, which pains me to say. And I think uh, even though he's not on the field very often, I think Derwin Derwin James just has a fun personality. He's an elite. Yeah, he's, he's an electric. elite player when he's on. Like there's a lot of reasons to like them. Other than the fact they that they're good in, draft other than the fact that they're in our our division and they choke all the time. Like. And they have a terrible. Yeah, order. if they like make the playoffs, you know they're not going to win the Super Bowl, so they're not going to hold that against us. That's why I hate the Broncos so much. Because like when the Broncos make it in, it's normally they're going to make a playoff run. Like that's just kind of their their right. history track record. While the Chargers, you know, they're going to lose in the first or second round. So, yeah. but enough about we spent a lot of time with the Chargers because it was again ridiculous um, how they responded to Mahomes clearly irritate irritable alcohol driven comments um but do you want okay like it's kelsey i don't know if you saw oh, this yeah. whole thing i'm not calling him yeah, kelsey. It is kelsey. his yeah, mom confirmed it. it's kelsey right what's he doing <laughs> yeah he's just trying to he's just trying to again peak peak level uh training waiting for a training camp to start when you're debating on a guy that's been in the league yeah. since 2013 how to pronounce his name someone Someone posted it was like it's Travis Kels and Justin Timberlocky. <laughs> you know, I thought that was good. Um, that is pretty good. The Chiefs media guide this that came out this year at, with the pr- pronunciation uh, does say Kels C. So I mean, I'm going to take that. Yeah, no. That. Don't mess your brand up, Travis. Yeah, yeah. no. I mean, I don't. I even. I don't even know how that all came terrible. about. Kelsey works. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelsey just sounds so much better too. It does, it does, especially with his. Yeah, first I name. can't believe that was. He literally had a TV show called Catching Kelsey. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think he's right. gonna endorse that? That if that's not actually how you say his last name. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like the whole. He should be embracing this, like the whole, like change your name as an actor, like Tom Cruise, Bruce Springsteen kind of situation. Right. right. So, yeah, it's Kelsey. I'm, we, 
set the record straight. His name is Travis Kelsey, not Travis Kels. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. absurd. And I and real quick, I don't think Jason Kelsey is the kind of guy that's going to let people call him by the wrong name. No, no I don't think <laughs> so either. He's going to co- yeah, he's going to correct you. You know, he's a big mean sinner who's freaking hilarious as well. Yeah. I love those guys. The Kelsey brother. For sure. It's an all-time yeah. family. And they play center and tight end. Like, that's that's how good, <laughs> uh, elite they are, is that you play those. You know, right. Both Super Bowl yeah, winners. You, and you play two previously very um, unpopular positions, and you're you're just a, an electric family. So Yeah. But speak. You know what else is electric? Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Cooper. Yeah, he's been ridiculous. And hey, let, let's start off with giving you props. Last week, you called it. You said that the home teams were going to win, that even if the Suns went up 2-0, that it would be tied 2-2 here. Um, I got to give you a, that Booker was going to uh, maybe falter a little bit like he has on with the fouls. Like You pretty much nailed it all the way between through this last week, man. That was impressive. It really feels like the bubble kind of got to people and made them forget how crucial home court is to basketball, yeah. especially in these two places, which both have completely open stadiums with incredible fan bases that are dedicated and have like the what the Suns haven't won in their 53 years of existence and the Bucks haven't won since the 70s. Uh, so they and they have. And all those people have been there this whole time, and they are ready, and they have had nothing to do, and they are ready to party. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been crazy. Um, Giannis has just been he's been by far the best player, and we, you know he's the best player coming into it. But you were kind of everyone was curious how he was going. Oh to, my gosh, he had a hyperextended yeah. knee. It looked like he tore his ACL, right, right. and he looks just as good. He's like he is living up to his nickname. He is a freak of nature to be able to just bounce back like that man it's it it is eerily similar to lebron where he like you would get these injuries that might sideline people or make them significantly worse but their bodies man they just recover so well and they're so strong and they're like just like at peak peak powers at the moment uh for uh Giannis in this case i mean his block that block especially if they win will go down in history as as up there with with the James block on uh, Iguodala. Um, It was just like the greatest recovery you could possibly ever see. There's no, he even said like, I thought I was getting yammed on man. I thought thought I was getting dunked on and the, his hand is so big. He just, it gets up there so fast. I, it was remarkable. Um, And it always just sells to also have a a Mike Breen on the call. That just always helps. Um, with the significance of a well, play. that was the second block he's had like this. The, the other one was just in a loss, so it, no one cares about it as much. But like, right? He's he's been. It was came at a crucial yeah, moment yeah, too. It was right, like, that would have been such a momentum swinger, right. um, as well as like Chris Paul just absolutely faltering and and giving up a, an easy steal to Drew Holiday right. uh, at the at the end of the game. Um, not a great look. Chris Paul needs to get his stuff together for his legacy. All, every one of these moments is just like taking another uh, nail to the head of his legacy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I think Chris Paul, like, yeah, of course, he the the having a NBA championship next to his name would look all all the better for his career. But he's fine, man. He's he's had a. It's the difference between being a top ten point guard of all time or a top three. That's what it comes down to at this point. 
Um, which is crazy. And what we're what we're seeing is is that there's not another player like him in the league that's coming up. There's no more pure point guard facilitators, and the league and the USA is suffering because of it. Like if you look at what's going on with USA basketball, it's a combination of the fact that the FIBA refs are not giving them these cheap fouls, as well as the fact that there's not a facilitator on that team. There's not a Chris Paul or or like a LeBron James like point guard kind of player, right. and that the your team suffers because right. of it. And I hope that like youth leagues are looking at this and seeing how valuable that is to your team and. And Giannis has been so good. He's covered up for the fact that the Bucks don't have right. that. Yeah, no, for sure they don't. And uh, especially with the way Drew Holiday has been playing offensively, um, it, they're a three-headed monster. Monster is a right. strong word. And his playmaking just isn't there. A two-headed monster because he has been – it's tough to watch. As a, as a very vocal Drew Holiday fan, it's been it's been very disappointing to see my guy uh, – kind of falter it's under just the not pressure. Fluid, you know, this is the first time he's ever really done anything yeah. like this. I mean, but like you could say the same for Giannis and Chris Middleton and they're playing fine. I mean, but like Yeah, Chris Middleton, like he is reversing the narrative on himself, right? right? It, he is still extremely streaky and inconsistent. But right now his hot marks are coming at the exact right, right. time. They're coming at the end of the games when Giannis becomes a little bit less valuable as a player, right? Because he's not as much of a, a, a half court basketball player he can't he's really just turned into a, a pick and a roller on the pick and roll which he's amazing at one of the best in the league but like when it it's just like with Shaq and Kobe at the end of the game you're not really going to throw the ball down to Shaq and like have him either get fouled and miss free throws or like he's not going to be able to hit a turnaround or hit a hit a mid-range jumper like consistently. So you need somebody who's there. And man, Chris Milton hit like three of them last night that were just daggers. Um, an incredible off the dribble over like two different guys off of a pick and roll with Giannis um, at, the, at like the elbow. And that just like solidified their lead. Um, like totally missed me with the juicy, the the foul on Drew Holiday that, that they didn't call that would have gotten Booker a sixth yeah. foul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was so yeah. good. So, yeah, and guess what? As soon as that happens, what what goes on on Twitter? Like, rigged trends. It was like the number one trending thing on Twitter. was like <laughs> how the NBA is rigged. And guess what? The Bucks still won. So just stop with that stuff, man. Like, the refs might be bad, but they're bad both ways. Or they're good both ways. You know, both teams were getting, like, either no calls or, or cheap touch fouls. So... That's just kind of how the NBA is right now, and they're going to change that hopefully this offseason with uh, with how they're officiating. But oh, God, I can't stand the rig thing. It's it's the Phoenix Suns versus the Bucks. You know, if they're going to rig the team, that's not Milwaukee and Phoenix being in the NBA Finals. Let me tell you, right? It'd be the Lakers and the in the Nets. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, <laughs> they, they don't care who wins this though. There's no reason to rig it. Um, right. Both both are great for the NBA in the sense as good as it can be with having these two markets, right? Um, with where the ratings are, where the ratings will be because it's, it's wow. Yeah. These, these cities love it, but it's about like the broader audiences. Do they really care about it? Which they should because Giannis has just been spectacular and guess, and as much as I don't like Booker, he had an incredible game last right, night, right? right? He had 20 points and like he both quarters and he needed to score 40 for them to win. He just didn't quite get there because of some foul trouble. Um, but he was electric and it was really Chris Paul that kind of didn't come up. Right. Right. Chris Paul did struggle. Um, do you think this whole, uh, home 
Trent? So like Suns and seven, or do you think uh, it'll, it'll? I think so. Uh, I don't like. It's just gonna be so hard to win away. Um, it depends on it, like foul trouble, right? right? Uh, the only way that I, I could see the Bucks winning is getting like Booker or Aiton into foul trouble at at the in Phoenix, which would be really difficult to do because the refs are so like it really matters to refs uh, and officials um, when you're at home. You don't get as many calls, yeah. uh, so that's how how you're gonna win it. Giannis is just gonna have to be forty points every night, bunch of rebounds and assists. Uh, that's the only way that they're going to win, but I just think it's going to be really hard. But Chris Paul didn't play great. If you get a bad Chris Paul game and a bad Booker game, that's all you need, right. you know? But I just don't see that happening. So I, I do think that I, it's going to be a great series. I think the most critical game in every best of seven series, outside of obviously when they go to game seven, is game five tied. You know, like if, if you're – Right. Obviously, I don't know the numbers. I don't have any data to back up, but I just – feel like if you win game five regardless of who wins it you're just such in the driver's seat and like you don't you yeah. know you can you can lose a game on the road you know and, and still win the championship or you win it well that's what this is like well the thing is the st- the the phrase that's going around constantly is like the series doesn't start till a team loses on the uh at right. home uh so that's and with these two home field home courts the last thing I would want to do with Milwaukee is is play in Phoenix for the NBA championship game seven. That just yeah, it's just going to be extremely yeah. difficult. That place is rocking, right. man. But man, the the screen was shaking in Milwaukee uh, at the end of that game. Right, right. Well, like that's the thing. It feels like if it feels like if the Bucks win game five, they're winning because they're going to the game six in Milwaukee is going to be electric. And then if the Suns win game five. It feels like we're headed for a game seven to where I don't feel very good about Milwaukee. That's, yeah, that's what for that's sure. what the feeling is like. It's all yeah. Every game now is is for the for the championship. Right. Um and to just like double up like we saw Kaminsky game three, mm-hmm. right? And he had some he, he was efficient offensively, but it's such a zero yeah. on the defensive end. You can't play him. Like it trended on like he was so bad at trending on Twitter, even though he had like put up some offensive numbers, but he's just a complete zero on defense. And it it's shining a, a light on how crucial that Sarich injury is for them. Um and uh so as long as the Bucks stay healthy, that's that's a good advantage to them because they nobody's had any injuries besides that. Yeah, it'll be It'll be a fun, exciting games. Um, they've all been they've all been pretty entertaining so far, um, as far as just like basketball on the court. I and mean, I know these two teams don't hit for everybody, but it has been. Last night's game was yeah. Amazing, last night's game was the I best of the game. Two was yeah. pretty good too. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So we'll see how it shows up. Um, before we get out of here, though, do want to spend some time talking about uh Going, getting away from sports a little bit. And there's a big finale. So big spoiler alert. If you are into Loki and have not seen it or have not seen the final episode and do not want to be ruined for you, here's your warning right now to turn off the podcast, mute it, because we're going to spend five, ten minutes on talking about it. So please, if you have not seen it and do not want it to be spoiled, here is your warning. All right, Drew. 
you you know you kind of I don't want to say late to the Marvel game, but you are a little bit. But you've been attacking it these last couple weeks. Yeah, for sure. Um, thoughts thoughts on Loki? Uh, it's definitely the best Marvel show. Uh, it might be one of their best properties ever. I, I thought it was just fantastic. I love how they ended it. Um, it's I think it was a really smart idea to like, oh, leave it open ended because that's what WandaVision and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of struggled with is because they were both kind of closed off, right? They're one-time series. And so the there's it was really hard to keep the hype uh, going into their final, final episode. Uh, but this episode, it was stolen. The show was stolen by He Who Remains, Jonathan Majors, who I, when you, it was such a perfect... It was written perfectly because when you saw him, you had the exact same re- reaction that Loki and Sylvie had, right? Yeah. You're like, this is literally du- a dude. <laughs> we thought it was – I thought – I well, going into it was like, oh, it's going to be another Loki, right? That's what I was thinking when when we were there. Uh, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be Miss Minutes like totally as like, oh, the bad yeah. guy at the end of it. But uh, that it was great to see her pop up but like just – and you see him and you're like, oh, he's just a normal guy. But by the end of his scenes and his like just remarkable performance, electric, like very like creepy, but goofy. Uh-huh. And uh, his explanation, like the exposition was done really well of explaining like he's probably came the conqueror, right? Because it's kind of already been confirmed right. that John Maj- uh, that Majors is playing that character in Ant-Man, the next Ant-Man movie. Um, so he's a ver- he's a variant of that person. Um, je- I was just extremely impressed by that performance. Yeah, he. Abs- I had the same response because I again I, I had seen Jonathan Majors. I knew he was going to be King the Conqueror. There was speculation that that was going to be who was there. And even though I guess technically that that's not King the Conqueror, you know, it's but it's the same same person right. that ends up becoming King the Conqueror. And so seeing him like with that with that goofy ass grin he had and just be i was like what the hell is this like what are they doing like like i was almost right. disappointed his, for half a second until he started talking then it was like me too I, exactly that's that's what's so impressive about it is that he overcame that barrier of like i don't know who this right. is i've actually i've never actually seen any of the other stuff that he's been in so i was like this is a completely random guy to me and by the end of it i was like hell yeah kind of a thanos kind of like okay i get who this big bad guy is now yeah um and so it was just very well done yeah it was it was extremely well done and it's it makes it clear like this guy might just be you know how with thanos like they kind of were looking for the right actor and teased at him like once at the end of the first Avengers, but really didn't really bring him up again other than until like he had a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy. But like it was very, very right. sparse, very limited until they finally, you know, uh, hired Brolin and, and rolled with it into the final, in the, to the uh, end game in Infinity War. With, with, right. And he was, right. Amazing. And he was amazing. It was all, all, it was perfect. With Kang, with Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror, they found their guy early. And I think we're going to see yeah. a lot of him all the way. You know, there's, it's going to be a long process, but like he's probably, he has to be in Loki too. He's already confirmed to be an Ant Man. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a, 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 at least a scene or an end scene or something from him in the uh, multiverse uh, movie with, with, uh, 
Doctor Strange that Oh, I think he's going to be all so, yeah, like, for sure. Or like the threat of him is going to be all around him. Right, movie. right. Like he's going to be a lot more have a lot bigger role and be more visible in these Marvel movies up until the next, you know, in-game type of movie, which I think is right. a really cool idea. It's a, it's instead of telling the same story again just with a different plot, they're telling a different story with, you know, in a similar progression, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And as I went through, I went, I've like watched everything Marvel, like in the last couple of weeks, just like grinding through it. But like the biggest weakness that Marvel has is like the universe or all the movies is villains. Right. Loki's um, always been like, and I don't, have you, prior to Thanos, Loki was yeah. kind of like the only one that really was, and he's not even like a true yeah, villain. Yeah, he's an anti-hero yeah. kind right. of like, he's not like, it's kind of ambiguous. He's a very ambiguous character, but like, I, have you seen Black Widow? Yeah, I did see it. Uh, here. and the villains in that were right, brutal right. He's like, terrible. just not good um and there was only a handful of like really great moments in that movie but yeah and it was probably like 10 years that was late. a very moment and heavy not on the fall moment heavy movie good point there like you go through you go no it's because the stakes yeah. right the stakes aren't high because she's dead right you know um, she's not gonna and die. she's not coming back and that was her sign off and there's like this whole drama with the with how that movie didn't get made when it was supposed to get right. made. And, and, and so like it's, and they really just messed up Taskmaster and uh, Taskmaster. And it just, it was fine. It was one of the funnier Marvel movies. Uh, there were some moments in there that was, that were pretty funny. Right. But, um, and Florence Pugh was incredible yeah. in Black Widow. Um, but other than that, like their struggle with villains and man, that was quite the introduction to maybe a, a pretty a pretty big right, villain. right i i thoroughly enjoyed it um i was a little little uh kind of surprised on what they how they worked with sylvie you know because you know we first meet her and she's these yeah. this hell-bent on revenge character um but the last three she felt like a completely different character you know like she she was she had changed she was yeah, trusting loki like and then all of a sudden she says screw it and decides to kill him. Like that was the issue I had with it. Cause it felt like she had come past that right. at that point. And the fact that yes, they kind of developed her character just backtrack. and then they just kind of like chopped right. it off because, but they did bring up the fact like, can you trust anyone? Um, and that was like when his line was like, you can't trust me and I'm not to be trusted. And uh, so that was kind of the dilemma there. The kiss was cool. Um, and the reveal of nobody knowing who he was and the statues not being of the timekeepers anymore, but uh, being of Kane the Conqueror, that was, I was like, my mouth was open. I was like, what the hell? I, I don't know why I didn't see that yeah. coming, but uh, I try not to read anything about like Marvel besides just watching uh -huh. the movies. Like I don't do the whole comic thing because everybody can like see where it was going. So I was just Well, it's completely different. It's the... Uh, his character who he was playing, um, he who remains, is a completely different yeah. character in the comics. Right. He's a variant of the con right. He said that, right? Like I've gone by many names. He's like Immorat Immortatus or right, something right. too. He's got a bunch of different names. So there's gonna be a bunch of different versions of him. And uh, it was just I don't know. I kind of missed like like what could open season two is like she's there, but then another version of him just walks up and is like, Hey, everything just repeated right, itself. Right. Um which is really cool. And I also like, I've seen this around. I, I kind of agree with this is he might not be the Thanos. He's going to be a big villain, but he might not be like the Thanos of it all. 
he like the actual Thanos of this next phase, these phases are is actually just going to be this multiversal idea. And it's a multiverse is like the idea that there's these stacked universes that it's going to be the actual bad guy. And you're just con- like, that's who you're fighting against the whole time is the fact that there's all of these different threats stacked on top of each other. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's a good, that would be a, uh, that's a decent idea too. Um, you, Cause you could bring back anybody from that. Like you could literally do anything you wanted to. Yeah. Have you seen the, the, I don't know if it's a trailer yet, but there might be a trailer out for what if. I haven't yet. My brother was telling me about it. I didn't realize the trailer had been out, but I, I heard that's going to be cool. Yeah, because they got, like, the only people that aren't returning are uh, Chris Evans. Is, um, it's like Chris Evans, Doctor Strange is not going to be Doctor Strange, and obviously Tony Stark is not going to be voiced by uh, Robert Downing Jr. But they have, like, pretty much everyone it's else. voicing their character. Because I know um, it's animated, right? Yeah. But you have yeah, to it is for that. Like, you have to, it has to be animated. For sure. That's and we'll see if it's actually like at all connected to the uh, MCU, which I, I imagine it's going to be in a in some way connected to this multiversal idea. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting uh, because I could see them just kind of be like a fun, like get me over to you know the next movie, have a series like a fun series that may not actually have anything to do, but they like you said, if they wanted to, they could do make it relevant to the Marvel sure. series. They can do whatever they want. And, and it's like, just gonna go forever. Yeah, and which is fine. Like. Especially with this idea of a multi, like the multiversal reality, and all of their movies are like that. I just watched Deadpool two. That was all about, uh, like multiverse. Like I just watched uh, uh, Spider Verse, yeah. um, which was the best oh, movie I so think I watched of it's all so of good. them. Um, it makes you feel I mean, like I just, you're in a comic book. It's I don't even want to imagine the work hours that oh was put into gosh. that movie. Um. Because I just I can't imagine like the 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 animation of it was spectacular. The voice voices were amazing. John Mulaney's pig, Spider Pig was hilarious. I just I had heard that like the whole my that I just washed my hands. That's why they're wet. Like in a TikTok, I didn't know what that was from <laughs> uh, until I, I I watched that. The music was incredible, um, but uh, so I, I'm enjoying it. I uh, came late, but I'm all in. Yeah, it, it sucks you in. And it's one of those things, too. Like, they make enough, like, ending points to, like, where people that are, like, just enough of it are, like, you can stop. Like, obviously, like, or I'm just thinking, like, long term. You know how you have, like, all these, like, movies from the 80s that your parents want to show you or that are historical? Like, yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, like, for Marvel, like, even if they go on forever, there's going to be, like, place stopping points at each one kind of thing to where, like, each generation i don't know i'm just trying to think the long term well they just have incredible showrunners right now right kevin feige obviously in charge of it all but uh michael waldron who did loki is doing a star like i mean this is different but he's doing a star wars movie now he's like involved with this like i think he's involved with taiko atiti's star wars movie and then he's also like he's going to be involved in doctor i think he's doing doctor strange too um so you just have really talented people all over and they just have an incredible network of fact checkers, you know, that it doesn't really run over themselves and they don't get lost in it. And one show doesn't like completely disintegrate another. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be exciting, man. I, I, this, this, we had like that year break, but ever since I uh, won division and just, it was, it was actually, pro- I have to like say though, years. Shang is it Shang Yi? Yeah, Shang-Yi? and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That trailer did not catch really? me very much. I saw that last night. 
Uh, we'll see. Like, I don't know much it about it. It caught me with Wong um, when I saw Wong in the trailer. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I yeah, that'll love be Wong. great. Uh, <laughs> um, but so that I'll obviously go right. see it. I mean, I saw Black Widow like my, pretty much uh, like two days after it came out. But. My brother thinks that, uh, this the Shang-Chi or I again I I don't know anything about the character and the history so I, I'm pretty sure too but he thinks it has like Guardians of the Galaxy level potential like to where no one knows who the hell this wow. guy is doesn't care just gonna go see it because of Marvel and then walk away being like that was pretty cool like we all did with with Guardians of the Galaxy good luck I know dude. I know I, I mean, was like it's it's gonna be so hard to touch that Guardians level because of the right, music exactly. the music just like and Chris it's Pratt. so crucial. Like, not to that say there's movie. not good actors in it, but like Chris Pratt is was already a very recognizable known actor that people had a connection to, and then right. you saw a completely different side of him while being the same character. Like it was weird, you know. Like he was still this goofy, funny guy while being this badass action yeah. hero in space. Like it just, it just, and then the '80s music on top. Like it just worked. Saying anything ever is going to touch that on a on a randomness level is just. I think a pretty bold scene. right, but you never know. Marvel doesn't seem to do it. All in terms of live action, that's the best movie, or Thor Ragnarok, right? Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, the I mean, first it's one. Great, but I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. What do you think is better? Well, I I love Winter Soldier, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Okay, but that's definitely a you thing. No, no, right? Like, Come on, it's like okay, you like spy? That's like a spy movie, dude. It's so good though. It's really good. Ugh, but the, the fighting scene, like, the hand to hand combat scenes in that are the best in, in all of the MCU. Yeah, I guess it, it comes down to what, like, I just adore music in, and you don't, uh, but like music in movies. So the implementation of like the tapes in, in those movies were so good. Um, but uh, it shows the difference between us. I might have to watch I, those. I, I started after Winter Soldier, so I might have to watch that. Yeah. Time. It, it's so good. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to look. I'm having some block issues, but I'm trying to look. Up. There's a site. Um, let's see. According to this, Rotten Tomatoes, Captain Winter Soldier is 10th, and you ha- your, your Guardians of the Galaxy is sixth by two percent though ninety percent to ninety two percent. So it's uh, so what's one? Is it like uh, Infinity War? Uh, dude, come on, really think about it. The highest oh Iron no, Man. Iron Man's up there. It's third. Really think about culture and what. Oh, Black yeah. Panther's number yes. one. No one's gonna rate it bad, right or wrong, and no one's gonna rate it bad. Oh, that's. That's wild. That's such a bad take, but like I get it. I understand. That's yeah. crazy. I guess that almost got like nominated for Oscars, right? But it's, uh, it's, as far as like actual, just like Marvel movies, if you take out the significance of the actors and like you know, I know there's a lot more. Yeah, than just the, the movie, moment. but like just the movie itself is not the best Marvel movie. No, it's top. It's in the. It's a high. It's above yeah, average. It's a top ten. For yeah, sure. I might be tenth or ninth yeah. or something, but it's not number one that's good it's just uh, you know the significance of it is means you know is there and i I respect that it's just end games two iron man's three thor ragnarok's four end game is two over infinity war War. that's infinity war where the hell is infinity war really oh man i love 13th according to uh, rating 85 percent on rotten tomatoes 
Just still, that's a wild think about take that. as well. That's 13. Like, you know when you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you see just garbage ratings all the time, you know, for different movies? So, out of the 24 movies, because I don't believe Black Widow's on here, 18 of them have an 80% rating or higher, and only Hulk and Dark World, Thor Dark World, have lower than, than 70. Wow. Yeah, it's which I is mean, being generous. Done well. real. Thor, Dark World, and Hulk both deserve like forty percent. So those were terrible, for sure. So, but probably should wrap it. Yeah, up that's though. all right. That's cool. We had to get our Marvel. <laughs> We've been pushing our Marvel stuff back for a while. I had to get it yeah. back in. So always enjoy ending on kind of a, a random pop culture topic when we can fit it in. And we we made sure to fit in Marvel today. So. We appreciate you guys listening, though. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at 10penny88, just like the number in the coin. And you can follow Drew on Twitter at Drew Clifton. Also, to make sure to check out our podcast Twitter page at, at FlyoverSportsBF is our Twitter page. Love to interact with you guys. So, again, thank you so much for listening. We will try to be better next week. Dad, thanks for listening.